What's up? Welcome back to uh, uh, Field of 12, College Football After Dark. George Whitfield, surrounded by three of the talented, most talented quarterbacks you're going to see on any set, any show, any podcast, anywhere. Pride of Oklahoma and Texas A&M, Trevor Knight. We are Penn State with Christian Hackenberg and the new landlords of the Big 12, I said it. Baylor Bear himself, Bryce Petty. <laughs> Fellas, we might as well roll on into it. Uh, all those introductions, and I'm the only one that's representing the West Coast. Coming off this West Coast matchup here between Oregon and Utah. Honestly, it's deflating. It's deflating. Again, the West Coast was simply participating. Happy to be there. Give us our 12 games of football. We'll play them, and then we got other things to do. They're not going to the playoffs this year from the West Coast. What do you take out of what you saw from an Oregon team that went on the road and beat now, which looks like one of the best teams in the country in Ohio State, without a couple of their defensive stars mm. laying down tonight in Salt Lake City? Let's, Trevor, I'm going to go to you first. Like – like how do how is this possible in teams? Like there's a human element and there's a damn, we've been at this for two months element, but don't they know what's around the corner? They they should, right? Uh, but they've been hanging on for dear life. We've talked about the West Coast being out of it for quite some time on this show. And then the committee comes in and puts Oregon right in the thick of things. They had their destiny ahead of them. All they had to do was was went out essentially, and they were going to get a cupcake. Um, unfortunately, they came up short tonight. I thought Anthony Brown was off. His receivers were turning back and, you know, wondering why the ball was low and high. There was just a disconnect there, and they got steamrolled uh, in the mountains up there in Utah. Bryce Petty, let's go right there to, to Anthony Brown. He looked uh, like he was game ready. I mean, he's, he's had two straight seasons of starting at Boston College. You come to Oregon, you do your apprenticeship year, you go on the road. Like we got the Roman army in Tuscaloosa and you got your white walkers in Athens. I don't know what you call Ohio State. It feels like they're like they're the U.S. military, Army, Navy, mm -hmm. Air Force, mm -hmm. like everywhere they're coming. He beat them. He beat them. Yeah. But then yeah. Tonight, at Columbus, yeah. There's balls four or five feet to Trevor's point, four or five feet over guys' heads. You're on the run, trying to escape, stumbling, falling down, throwing balls at people's feet. Like, we all have an off night, but you usually have off moments. And then when you're that close, and all three of you have been in this situation, you're that close. Don't worry, guys, I got it. Yeah. You know, yeah. He, 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 he never stood up. He never bowed up. Like, for, from – uh, from the audience, as a as a highly successful quarterback, what was he missing, or what was his team needing from him in in like such a pivotal game? You're in the last lap of the season. Yeah, I, I mean, shoot, man, and that's the thing we talked about that pressure and expectations do things to you. No one counted those guys in uh, in that game in Columbus. Everybody was like, man, this is going to be a shoe in win for, for Ohio state, even though they were still struggling They, you know, who thought that, that Oregon was going to come in there and beat them without Thibodeau and uh, without soil and some of those other guys that they had out uh, that week. And then that's what happens, man. When you don't have expectations, you just go right in and everybody's together. 
Um, now to kind of piggyback off of what, you know, you and Trevor were both saying just a second ago, now there's, there's something to be playing for. Um, there's something, you know, that's, that's kind of, uh, at the end of the buffet here, um, you know, after you, you pass your jello and salad and all that kind of stuff, there's the good banana pudding at the end and mm-hmm. you have to take mm-hmm. care of, of business tonight, you know, and this is a game that, and we were talking about it a couple of weeks back that, I mean, shoot, man, Utah's a tough place to play. I mean, yeah. hell, they got new helmets out. They, they get these great uniforms. They got Oregon coming in the house. They have something to play for while you're trying to sit there and play your way into the in, into the playoffs. So um, that's that's that. But but the thing that makes me upset as a quarterback is when I got when I got receivers turning to me, throwing their hands up like like get the ball up. That's that's when um, my my fuse gets real short real quick. Cause I'd love for those guys to come back and, and step. Okay. Well then you get behind these five dudes right here in a pocket and throw you the ball, especially when I've been doing it for as long as I have with you. So right. to me, there was, there's a cultural thing there. There's an offensive just charisma that's, that's gone. Um, so maybe this is the best thing that happened to them. They didn't go walk into, you know, national television and playoff and, and have that stuff happen to them. Because to your point, George, most times you have off moments, you don't have off games, but at the same time too, Man, I've had an off game before. I've never had a guy, you know, throw his hands up at me, um, you know, at least while I was at Baylor. You know, uh, the Jets had happened several times. But, you know, at Baylor, it was like, hey, you know, Different come story. on. I'm, yeah, exactly. Uh, but I was like, hey, man, I got, I, you know, I got you. And so I started beating my chest back. Like, I, I got you. That's, that's on me. I never saw that from Anthony tonight. So it was kind of a weird, it was, it was a weird mood, a weird point. And that's what happens, man. You go get your ass kicked 38-7 because you weren't ready to play and, and guys aren't there fighting for you either. Hack, um, when you look across the landscape, we knew the ACC was done really after about three weeks. Florida yeah. State, Florida State like like they were three weeks late coming into the season and Clemson had already been knocked out two or three different bars mm-hmm. like off the bat. So ACC's done big 12, Iowa state ranked seven, Texas ranked top 15, Oklahoma and Oklahoma stick. Oklahoma's a, one of the five families. And now the wheels came off pack 12, to be honest, I don't think most of us even had expectations on them. And the one team that we said, Honestly, if somebody does come out of that neighborhood, they're going to be wearing green and gold and they got laid out. Is it, and we had this conversation last week, is it really, when people talk about power five, is it really the super two and the other three? Because the, the like, this is, again, they haven't had a, a playoff participant, I, don't, I think it's five years, maybe six years. Yeah, there are no monsters west of the Mississippi. There are yeah. no monsters west of the Mississippi. That's amazing in college football. Well, I think what's crazy is um, you when you look at the Pac-12. I mean, the last consistent run was Chip up in Oregon, correct? When you yep. talk about sustained yeah. success mm-hmm. for for a few years over and over again, and then before that. I mean, the argument would have been Pete Carroll at SC, right? So right. that that's a lot of time and a lot of years where it was just kind of like, eh, in between, um, and then moving into now. So I feel like a lot of these conferences are cyclical outside of the SEC. And even the Big Ten gets that way, and they've just had the luxury of having Ohio State 
who's had a lot of stability going from Jim Trestle to Urban Meyer and now to Ryan Day. That's true. They've just kind of passed that baton and they've sustained that success, right? So like the Big Ten has had the luxury of that. And I think the Big Ten's done a great job this year of getting better in terms of their depth top to bottom and specifically in the East Division, as I have hammered over and over again. But um, yeah, and then even looking back at like the Big 12, that they've had a really down year this year, comparatively speaking, because usually, you know, you're talking about Baylor, um, really since Art Browse and all that stuff happened down there. And then Matt Rule came in, kind of got them back. But then they're still, you know, there's just inconsistency within that conference that that conference has really never dealt with either. You know, Oklahoma was always rolling and rocking. And then you had Baylor and Texas Tech was up and beating people. So, like, you had different programs that don't have as much stability. And then Texas has been, you know, a ghost since Mac Brown. Um, and really since Colt McCoy. So it's like there's just not as much consistency, I think, um, when you speak of those other conferences. And I think that's hard to be able to play yourself into situations. Um, and then specifically with this Oregon game, I think it's a lot of credit to Utah. I think Utah's, I think Utah has been playing really well and building into this game. And I don't – I think, Bryce, you made a great point. Oregon was kind of – playing not to lose because they saw what was coming down the pipe mm -hmm. for them and the opportunities that were coming. And I think Utah's a team who had nothing to lose and is building, has built a lot of momentum over these few weeks. Um, kind of the perfect storm there. So it's interesting, man. And I, I think it's going to be really cool to see how it plays out uh, and who gets these opportunities. Cause I think one of the things we talked about was like, really, if you look at it, if you're in the top 10, the way the schedules shape out, you got a shot. So I think it's going to be really interesting, and they're making it really hard for the, for the, for the college football committee. You know what I mean? Making it, it really hard. It's going to be difficult. Just to, just to wrap up this game, fellas, Anthony Brown, again, a veteran. You came from the ACC to Oregon, a two-year starter, 28 games under your belt tonight, 17 to 35. 17 to 35 would have been like, man, that's solid back in like 1995, like 2002. <laughs> it's a vertical game. Half the plays don't even have a check down in them. There are so many plays in college football, really football in general, that happen behind the line of scrimmage that are give me 17 to 35 for 231. Flip that on the other side, Oregon, Cameron Rising, who only took over seven games ago. 10 of 18, 178, still pretty economical, no turnovers. And then you got to give it to the Utah staff, first four times in the red zone, touchdowns. That is, uh, that's the story in the Pac-12 that, again, just participating. And it is frustrating out here. We have no monsters. USC and UCLA are both in the coaching. Well, damn, I, that, that's on me. UCLA could be in, looking for a coach. They, they put a lot on it. Uh, the sports radio down here about Chip Kelly. SC is looking for a coach. Washington is looking for a coach. It's, it's going to be fascinating to see, but there are no monsters. There aren't even like bears, let alone werewolves. There's no bears out here. Everybody just kind of moving around, get to the assigned stadium, play your assigned game, shake hands. See you guys next week. Good luck to you. There, there are no warlords out here. It's just a, uh, it's just fascinating, kind of like how we did that exercise. If you drop Arkansas here, if you drop Cincinnati in the Pac-12, what would happen? I think they would just blitz it. Uh, so to those of you who are just joining us and those of you who have been rolling with us all season, 
we do have a couple little traditions. Both of them require sipping. Uh, so grab something to sip, get your questions in to our producers. Uh, Dagan and Rob will kick those out. We've been taking those the last couple of weeks. Off the bat, though, we want to pay homage to the godfather of college football. We saw you today, sir. Big day. Uh, Coach Lee Corso, love you, mm. respect you, and uh, to hold the tradition. Coach Corso, let's go around the horn. And honestly, we, we have another one. We have another collective team one. We didn't get to see him last week because he was playing and competing. This week, they played, competed, won in uh, Pennsylvania big school, high school playoffs. Christian Hackenberg and his high school squad uh, big win tonight. So we're going to start off with that yes. one. We're talking ball. Raise a glass. Love it. Came in here Hack, scrambling, man. Hack will go to you off the rip. Take it anywhere you want. Well, yeah, no, no. I was gonna, I was gonna go to to the kids, man. That was a big one. It was the first first sectional state championship in school history. Big, uh, big win for the community. Uh, real proud of the guys. It was, it was cool to be part of. It was one of those things, you know. Very fortunate to have been able to. To go along that ride so it was, it was tell, pretty cool tell the people the name of your school again winslow township um we're down winslow in south jersey. township yeah we're down in south jersey and uh coaching with one of my former teammates from college bill belton that's his alma mater he made it to the semis when he was there so for him to be able to come in and win it, it was big so it was just cool like i said just to be part of it, it was awesome you know getting back Sick, in it dude. super pure at high school mm-hmm. it's the best man so it was it was cool it was a cool, cool night. And you guys won 38-20. Is this – am I close? 34-22. 34-22. So, yep. next week, the semifinals, or we're in the state championship? So, New Jersey's weird how they do it. Like, that was technically the state championship game, but then they play a bowl game. Um, so, we're going to play the group four South Jersey South bracket state champions in like a bowl game up at Rutgers uh December 5th 4 p.m. Oh, okay okay Anyone Dang, okay yeah. so we got some time to watch some film we get the boys yeah. right dial it up dial <laughs> time it up. to watch some film get Shiano on over there uh all right so hack congratulations man we're proud of you we know what yeah, you've been putting in missed you on here the last couple of weeks but we know what you've been doing um so to Winslow High School Bryce Petty you're yeah, man, I'm gonna, man, I'm gonna keep mine in in the, in the QB room. To be totally honest with you, I got two guys. It's the two freshmen putting up putting up huge games today. Uh, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, uh, two guys that man, when you watch them play, it's 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 cool because you kind of get this Tom Brady, Peyton Manning deal that these these guys are going to lead these programs for the next couple of years. Um, you know, Ohio State's going to be in a good spot. George, you and I were texting about it earlier today. I mean, the, the guys that they got walking around this, that, that building right now is stupid. Um, you know, and then Bryce Young, just what he's been able to do um, with it, with the training and engine is just about as greased and oiled up as you could possibly have it. But still, you're the, you're the signal caller. Um, and so, you know, throwing uh, for over 500 yards in a game. So anyway, C.J. Stroud, six touchdowns in the first half, which is stupid. That dude could have gone for, for 10 touchdowns today. Um, and then Bryce Young over over 500 yards, you know, in the air, man. Uh, toast and, to both of you. And honestly, a toast to both, toast to both. And just to drive a point on that, they took on Arkansas and Michigan yeah. State. 
Yeah. If you yeah. drop Michigan State in the Pac-12, it'd be like a lawnmower in a field of like like a like a field of weeds. They would like roll straight through. <laughs> and if you took Arkansas and dropped them, where'd we say, Trevor? Big 12 or the ACC? Yeah. Same thing. Maybe yeah, well. pig suey on the, the sipping clam chowder. Both those <laughs> programs, these two freshman quarterbacks put up almost a thousand yards combined. 800 of it was in the first half, which is like, and, and this is another thing. And you guys understand this. The killer part was watch for me, watching these guys, two very young, very like uh, they're mobile, but they don't seek to run downfield. Mm-hmm. They're always seeking to like, where can I distribute the ball? There was a couple of times CJ Stroud and you're watching that 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 line, the line of scrimmage, and my daughter, who's five, she's like, he doesn't want to – is he going to trip over that line? Like, she said that. Kennedy was like, is he going to trip over the black line? He, he scrambles and then immediately runs along the black line of scrimmage to find playmakers to get the ball yeah. to. I have the best receiving yeah. core, one of the best 12 receiving cores in the world. After you come through the NFL, the Jacksonville Jaguars don't have three receivers like the Ohio State Buckeyes do, (laughs) nor do the Jets, (laughs) nor do like you could you could really throw several names in there like that. But he wants to distribute the ball. I want to get this to playmakers. And so when you see those guys and that's what they want to do, I want to throw it. They keep the chains moving. I talked to a couple other coaches preseason who were like, uh, one's in the NFL, one's in college, and they didn't see it in Bryce Young. And I was like, yeah, but it's about maturity, keeping the trains moving, timing, decision-making, and then taking advantage, the coaching. And, heck, he, he's playing for your coach, yeah. Billy O. Keeping the trains moving, that's something. So you take what Mac Jones did, and then, like, he, he kind of looks like Mac. He's not doing anything more athletic than Mac Jones. No, nah, he, he just stays on schedule. At 19, Mac was, yeah. what, 25 when he finally got to start <laughs> at, at Alabama. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like, like just hats off, Bryce. I, I, I'm with you on both those two kids. Like, those guys are rolling. They'll be in New York, hopefully sitting with the whole crew of White Walkers. Trevor Knight, we're, we're with you on the toast, sir. Yeah, I'll go off the beaten path a little tonight. Um Britton Covey, 5'8", 170 pounds, has been at Utah since 2015. He is the grandson of the late Stephen Covey, who wrote Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. Wow. (laughs) Young man, your grandfather would have been proud tonight. As time expires in the first half, you feel the punt and take it to the house. Really cool moment for him. I know he's just esteemed up there in, uh, in Utah, <laughs> being, uh, being around for so long. And, uh, man, little guy, but doing the big things on a big stage. So, man, your grandpa would be proud. I love of it. Wow. Seven. How many Google searches did that take? That might be toast of the year. And, and I, I listened to the announcers. They did all the work for me. I'm not going to take that. Oh, credit. okay. All right. Hey, I heard that. You should. I just, I just moved that book, too. I had it over here, and then I think I moved it in my room. I'm going to start. Trevor, you, you shouldn't even have divulged all the how you knew. You should have just been like, listen, those who know, know. <laughs> I know. That's a killer. Like, I saw that. 
77 yards, stadium's going crazy. They broke the uh, the attendance record there at Utah. You got a giant on its back, and you're trying to take its head off. No better way than a punt return before the half. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up with my toast of the week uh, to a man, to a mentor of mine for years, for years. And he always bows up, walks right out front. And when you walk way out front, you're either going to draw attention or you're going to lead a, a, a big change. He's kind of done both. It's been up and down, but it's really been held on one game in his whole career. And I think this year he set his team up to go up against that one game, which happens next week. And that's Jim Harbaugh, Michigan Wolverines, big, confident, clean win at Maryland. They had a big heavyweight matchup against Penn state on the road. Got them. They lost a close 12 rounder against Michigan state. Um, They are primed. They are 10 and one. The Michigan Wolverines are 10 and one, but again, the world is going to say it comes down to what happened Saturday. There's a weird part of, of those guys and their leader that says we accept it. Here comes the Michigan Wolverines. Weirdly to say quietly, quietly, 10 and one. Coach Harbaugh, big win tonight at Maryland. More importantly, sets them up with a heavyweight battle against Ohio State game of the year Saturday. Can't wait for that. All right. Let's go into his opponent this weekend, next weekend. The Ohio State Buckeyes obliterated a fellow top 10 program. I think it's a record for performance in the first half or point differential in the first half. 49 to nothing. Hack, I'm going to start with you. It's your neighborhood. It's your beat. 49 to nothing. And what a strange week it was in the Big Ten. Once you laid all these things out that are taking place, all these heavyweight champ like matchups that are taking place, Michigan State with all these openings open up around the country, we'll go into them later. Almost a hundred million dollars, and I love the little hashtag Tuck coming. And they're like, "Now nah, he's staying." A hundred million dollars. He signs that a couple days before. Buckeyes waiting in the tall grass. In they come to Columbus. 49 nothing would be a big score if you played the whole game. That was the halftime score. It was like watching a bar fight, and you're like, dude, he's already out cold. You're still swinging. Get back, man. Just get, get off of him. What now, Hack? What is the Big Ten this moment right now? So we, I kind of had this argument with my co-host, J- uh, Joshua Perry, uh, this this week so Josh has been like extremely hard on Ohio State this whole season I, I think it's a lot having to do with the fact that he feels the defense has struggled at times and the argument I made is it doesn't matter how your defense plays you just go the old bend don't break philosophy that Peyton Manning used to because you knew your guys were going to start scoring and really Ohio State is hitting that 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 peak in their buildup throughout the season. They were kind of figuring things out with CJ early on in the year, I think. They always had playmakers outside, just trying to figure out how to distribute it and what that would look like, dealing with those types of personalities and, and fitting them in. And I think Ryan Day has done that beautifully. And I, I've, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I think this offense is one of the only offenses in the country, maybe two or three, 
that can really, really push Georgia from a personnel mat- matchup standpoint. Mm-hmm. If you have to play personnel matchup football, I think this is one of the only places that can do it with what they have in their stable. Um, so I think what Ohio State showed is, is that although they hit a bump in the road with Oregon and although there were some question marks with a few other games heading into that, you know, people were upset about the Penn State game and how they didn't really like stomp on their throat and do these types of things that 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 Ohio State fans expect. Um, I think right now, November football, big emphasis, traditionally speaking, this is when Ohio State has always turned it on and they're doing that now. And I think, George, you, you, you highlighted, I think it's going to be a really interesting game next week because it's going to tell a lot. Um, it's going to tell a lot about, about where both of those programs are. Um, and either one would be a great representation of the Big Ten uh, in the college football playoffs. So we'll see what happens. But uh, really, at least from my perspective, very impressed with how Ohio State has matured and developed and how quickly they have found their identity offensively. And I think that's good. That's their ride or die. They're living and dying by the three. I think their defense is still susceptible in some ways, but they're continuing to get better. Um, that's a really, really complete, really good football team from a talent standpoint. Um, Dagan, that's our producer. Dagan, could you put the uh, stat board back up for Ohio State as, as I'm going to ask Bryce. Bryce, if you fellows, if you just look like and, and this is what I'm saying, Ohio State is like the U.S. Armed Forces. Air, ground, sea, offense, defense, special teams. That's a Heisman Trophy candidate on the left. Six carries, 25 yards. 25 yards. Then you click over on the right. That's a freshman with number seven, albeit a redshirt freshman. The first ball he threw was the first game of this season. 432 yards against the number seven team in the country. And then full transparency, one of the worst pass defenses in the country, and they took advantage. But he had more touchdowns and incompletions. And then if you drop down with those three names, looks like a law firm, uh, Alave, Wilson, and Smith and Jigba. (laughs) Their nickname campus is Earth, Wind, and Fire. So – uh, Which is a, a, an old school band. Maybe <laughs> yeah, that's a, no, that's a great movie. No, great no, no, movie. We're, we're great on. movie. You're hip to it. So, so, but Petty, look at these guys right here. You've had because you've been in a high volume offense like this with Coach Bryles. You've had guys. You look around your receiving room and you guys all grin at each <laughs> other like, listen. They're going to decide who gets the ball. Once you get it, take off with it. The weaponry that Ohio State has, it's an advantage. All three of those guys could go to other top 10 programs and be the number one guy. What does it say about Ohio State when you start to look at potential playoff teams? We're just going to start spinning this forward against Bama, even against the White Walkers. They got answers that don't quit. Normally, you would just double the one. But one, two, and three are are really – they're all the same, really, in terms of – And here's of, the thing, though, George, is four, five, six, and seven are killers. would all be number ones, twos, or threes. That's also true. 95%, yeah, yeah. And 95% of college programs across the country. 
That's they already all have one. They already have one down in Tuscaloosa, too. And you got <laughs> and, and yes, right. The Alabama's top two receivers no. is the fourth guy that came down from Columbus. He was the odd man out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and should have stuck. There was plenty on the table for you to get you a little something, but I feel it. He's he's in the playoff regardless. But to Hack's point, Marvin Harrison's son hanging around. He gets in the game in the second half, makes a couple of little cameos, five catches for like 90 yards, just something quiet. They got two, three, four other kids. But that receiver room, I like, what is that like in practice? But to, to the original question, Bryce, that kind of weaponry and that kind of play caller in Ryan Day, aren't these guys pretty much set to do anything against anybody? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think those guys knowing when they're walking in, you know, to, to watch film, go out to practice, you already know Hack, Trevor, George, too. I mean, those guys in a, in a locker room in college do everything together. Um, what's really interesting to me is how Ryan Day sprinkles them in this offense all at the same time, because even though those dudes do everything together, you know, in the locker room, go out to eat movies, whatever, on the field, they're like, hey, I want mine. And we, right. we've seen that on Sundays. We see that. I mean, egos, that's, that's what makes those guys so much fun to be around. And then as a quarterback, you're like, damn, man, I got to get this guy involved because he's going to start throwing, you know, some shit on the sidelines <laughs> before, before too long. So that what, what's, really, what's really crazy is when you look at these three cats, um, you know, for Ohio State and then even four, five, and six that have left. And then you also have, you know, eight, nine, and ten in high school right now that they're doing <laughs> the same thing in high school that they're about to be doing at the shoe. Um, but, uh, you know, you got – you got, um, what is this? This is uh, 24 catches between the three of them today. Um, 360 some odd yards and five touchdowns. Like, regardless. Dagan, of could it, you put it, the stat board up again, Dagan, real quick? Keep going, Bryce. It, because you, and you have to keep going. Like, the, the, a stat board, you have to actually extend the stat board on this because that's so dumb. Because the thing is, to your point, George, they still had 200 on the ground. Yep. That's that's what's so nuts to me. They almost had 700 yards against the top seven, or, you know, a top 10 team and number seven team in the country of Michigan State who just beat what we were talking about as a really good Michigan State team coming up at, you know, for the game next week. Um, so what what Ryan Day is doing now, as opposed to what might have happened in week three against Oregon, which we've already talked about. What I think is funny is, man, if you, if you guys are, are real football fans out there watching us, and I know we are on this on this podcast, whatever, but, you know, Aaron Rodgers is sitting there after the game after they got smacked by the Saints in, in week one going, guys, if we're really talking about this in week one, like we got bigger problems. Right. Green right. Bay's eight, eight and two and, and the first in the north right now. That's right. that's what this maturity of football um, when you know that you are a good team, you just got to figure each other out. That's that's what happens. And so we are seeing Ohio State right now play it as, as a high of a level um, offensively as I've seen in a really long time um, for, for really any team. And to have an 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid leading it the way that he's leading it just shows you how much him and Ryan Day have, have really meshed. Um, and I think that, that Ryan's calling a game that he can – um, really excel in and he's comfortable in regardless of how bad Michigan State's defense is statistically this year doesn't matter that is that is not routes on air and, and, and all of us know that even routes on air is still hard like I right. mean shit man at my you know at my pro day George I think I've had two incompletions 
but still that's that's no rush that's no i mean that like you've practiced <laughs> that for weeks and right. it's still hard to do um right. and so you know tack on another 11 guys on the other side of the field the you know the crowd and everything else so what what they did today was really really impressive um to that impressiveness trevor you gotta tip your hat to Ryan Day and to Corey Dennis. And I don't think his name gets said enough. I've known him since he was like, like a student assistant there at Ohio State. And then he moved over to something else and something else and something else. And now he's the quarterback coach. He's been there through all these rock star quarterbacks. Corey Dennis is the quarterback coach. Between Dennis and Day, these guys are equal parts dangerous air and ground. And they got a true freshman as a running back who they developed to go out there and get 150, 200 yards. Then you throw Master Teague behind him. Then you throw the Avengers out there at wide receiver. Then you got the junior Avengers walking around the building waiting for their chance. Then you've got four of the top seven wide receivers in high school football committed to Ohio State. Style of ball, winning, and then who's the quarterback? All their quarterbacks keep going up into the NFL. That's one point. All that's one point. They create green grass throws. Look how many throws C.J. Stroud in that 32 or 35, how many of them are green grass? So I'm not taking from C.J., I'm just complimenting the offense. He knows where to go, but there's no conflict. He's not oh, squeezing George, the – Yeah. I think, I think the big uh, – one of the big things is that is with those weapons, I, I don't know a freaking defense that's going to sit there and go, yeah, let's, let's man these guys up. Let's get yeah, in their true. grill and try – like. With those weapons, they're not going to do that. So you have the luxury of of seeing zone, right? And now these guys are like, damn, dude, I don't have to worry about getting off a press. I got all the time in the world. I got to work my routes. So like when you have that, when you have that many weapons, it puts an advantage to you. And like all those guys in that receiver room should be looking at each other and be like, yo, dude, if you eat, I'm going to eventually start eating. And it's just going to keep trickling down. And that's why I said, I think that team is so deep. It's like really, it's hard to defend them when you right. have that many, when you have that many options. It's just, you have to like pray to God, CJ just does something wrong. I mean, really which, is what happened. De- deflate gate. Which, <laughs> which is a great point. So for, for those of you rolling with us right now, what hack is talking about is dictating terms. So some offenses take the field and they are in fear mode or defensive mode as an offense. Man, we got to block all this up, and we got to find a place to get the ball out of here before we the, the wall falls in. That, that's like a defensive mindset on offense. And what he's talking about is dictating terms. You can dictate it by pace. You can dictate it by talent. Ohio State's really doing both. They like, and they force you as a defense and they let you know what you can do or what you can't do just by how they approach business. So Trevor air or ground green grass throws by talent and scheme. And they never hurt themselves. Michigan state had like three or four fumbles and turnovers in the first half that were immediately cast in for touchdowns. The Buckeyes just don't do that. Like they're both in attack mode and they're very vanilla in terms of like protecting their backside. Day, Dennis, Stroud, who's a first time player. 
Like, what do you give to the level of development? And you've been at two power five big time programs and you've seen how they build this stuff from the ground up. What does it say about the Buckeyes and their process and how they keep like eviscerating heavyweight opponents? Well, we can go back to the beginning here. They figured out the method of recruiting. I had the opportunity to throw with Garrett Wilson when he was a senior in high school prior to going off to Ohio State. He's from Lake Travis High School where Baker Mayfield and some of these other guys went to school in the Texas Hill Country, right down the road from Texas, got recruited everywhere. And where did he want to go play? He wanted to go play at the Ohio State University. So that tells me when Ryan Day is sitting inside of a living room, he is preaching something that these other coaches are. Mm. Their recruiting coordinator there at Ohio State is picking out young men that not only are talented, but they have a level of maturity that when they get on campus, they can come in and they can contribute first and foremost. But then they can also bring the young guys behind them and teach them how to be a pro. You look at a Garrett Wilson, you look at the way that that, um, that that's such a good point. That wide receiver room sits there together. To Bryce's point, a lot of those wide receivers have egos. And whether it's your head coach, whether it's the guys in that room, or whether it's your quarterback, somebody's got to bring those guys together. I think the communication between Ryan Day and C.J. Stroud of, hey, let's manage these guys in a way where they're all happy. Let's dial up plays to get them all the ball so across the board we're happy. And then for a young guy, C.J. Stroud, to ingest that go out there with the other million things going on in his head and actually turn that into fruition, what happens on game day and only have three incompletions, get all these guys touches. That's culture. That's, that's just not checkers. And I think it starts all the way back when he's sitting in the living room with these guys. That's a killer point. And hack and Bryce, you guys know this Trevor hit on something and he hit on it last week and he hit on it the last time they're plucking, not just these five-star gems mm-hmm. from all over the country. Like CJ Stroud's from out here with us. He's right from LA. Garrett Wilson's from Texas. Maturity and toughness, maturity and toughness to go with that five-star gem. Wouldn't they love to have that in Austin, Texas yeah. or Gainesville, yeah. Florida, or Tallahassee. Like, look at all these blue blood. Um, we used to be at one point monster programs who still kind of get talent, but the talent comes in, they're not tough. Or they still can pluck the average occasional five-star, but they're not mature enough. And yet Ohio State, how often do you hear about their kids? How often do you see drama? Like, yeah, they had the, they had the kid that walked off or whatever. Looks like an anomaly because these dudes are just like, oh, man, that's too bad. On to business. Like they didn't even like pause for that linebacker that did that. And then here they go, setting themselves up, rebounded off the Oregon game. And they rebounded not just by like getting wins. They are eviscerating everybody. They are taking the approach that your Bearcats took today but should have been taken all season. Uh like, it, it's just – honestly, I'm curious if Ohio State automatically goes to two with a couple of number one votes. Let's take a quick second here and welcome in our new partner, BetterHelp. 
Is there something that is preventing you from achieving your goals or interfering with your happiness? If there is, let me tell you guys about BetterHelp. Professional help done securely online. Check out betterhelp.com slash field. Field in all caps. BetterHelp will assess your individual needs and match your own licensed professional therapist to allow you to connect in a safe, private online environment. It's so convenient. You, you can start communicating in less than 48 hours. BetterHelp is not a crisis hotline. It's an avenue to accessing professional therapy without having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. BetterHelp has licensed professional licensed professionals who specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, as well as a relationship and grief counseling. You can massage, you can message, sorry, you can message, don't massage your counselor. You can message your counselor at any time and get timely, thoughtful responses. Um, You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions as well. Find the particular expertise you need online. Don't limit yourself to the counselors located near you and do it in a manner that is more affordable than traditional online counseling. Financial aid is available. So many people have been using better help that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Uh, I want to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash field, all caps. Join over the 1 million people who have already taken advantage of their mental health uh, accessibilities. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash all caps field today. That is important. That's a big play right now going on. Uh, Really, it's always been going on, but we're getting a chance to acknowledge it. Speaking of acknowledgement, let's go ahead and take a trip down south and talk about the Roman army. Trevor Knight, we're going to start with you. There was just a rock star performance tonight, but it still went 12 rounds. When you add in C.J. Stroud into the mix of Bama, Arkansas, and what the Arkansas staff was able to do, To stay within seven points after four quarters with the number two team in the country, what was your biggest takeaway or what did you notice most coming out of this big SEC clash tonight? First off, hats off to Arkansas for really not being a very good football team, but being a thorn in some folks' side this year. Um, They're able to rise to the occasion at times to at least be present. They're not getting run out of stadiums. So, you know, whether that's a, you know, a subtle jab to him or it's something positive leading into years to come, you got to give him hats off to, to stick around with a team like Alabama. That being said, we've talked about it a little bit already, but Bryce Young, I mean, the guy is wise beyond his years. 31 of 40, 559 yards in the air and five touchdowns when he's got to keep coming back out. This wasn't just a smooth sailing I'm going out here having routes on air. We're up 49 to nothing in the first half like C.J. Stroud. This is keep coming, keep coming, get the guys going, get them going on the sideline, run out there, drive down the field, drive down the field. And, of course, you tack on, you know, 122 yards, Brian Robinson Jr., and just the whole attack there. I mean, the the guy has really settled into his own as, like you guys mentioned, 
a Mac Jones, but four years prior, a guy that is managing the Roman army uh, and that guys are looking up to as the leader, as a young dude, it's an incredible performance. Um, unfortunately, they got to go play the White Walkers in the SEC title game in a few weeks. Yeah. But they're setting themselves up to be in a position to go out there. And if Bryce Young is the Heisman favorite and he can put on a show uh, in the SEC title game, who knows what can happen at that point? Uh, you're right, Trevor. The, they are playing well, but they are not invincible. As the Roman army won most of its battles, they didn't win all of them. It will be interesting to see, though, what happens. And we're going to get into this college football talk here in a bit, the playoff talk. If Bama beats Georgia in the net, in the SEC title game in a close one, they take Georgia with them into the championship, I mean, into the playoffs. And what happens if Michigan beats the Buckeyes in a close one Wins the Big Ten championship. They kind of pulled Ohio State in. Then we're going to be super crowded here with uh, Oklahoma, which we're going to go over here next, and Cincinnati. So let's go to that. Oklahoma today. Uh, Dagan, normally I text this to you, but do we have a stat board on Oklahoma? If we do, could we glance at it? Could we glance at the Big 12's premier program, probably not because I see a text. And if we did, we would already have it. Perfect. Oklahoma barely survives Iowa State. They barely survive an Iowa State team that's been up and down, lost their best player first half of the first game this season. They host the Cyclones, and they're up by seven. Iowa State driving in the red zone. Quarterback throws the ball a little too high. Brock Purdy to the tight end, reaches back to catch it, tips it, safety catches it. Everybody in the stadium basically exhales. There is no jubilation. They just exhale. We dodge another one. And Trevor, as a Sooner, Bryce is a Big 12, uh, like Warlord or Hack just as a quarterback. (laughs) Oklahoma, all you guys are dudes. These guys, to me, strike me as this. You have had homeboys. That you go to their place, seven, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, and you're like, dude, we're out tonight. Let's go. Let's go. Get shit. Let's go. Let's go. They bellyache. They grumble. They slow put their shit on. All right, man, we're going. All right, all right. Hold on a second. Let me go on here and get my stuff together. They don't want to go. Then they go out with you, and they luck up and hit. Like, they they come up on something. (laughs) Like, they luck up. They didn't want to go in the first place. Like, they don't want to be there. And to me, like when I'm watching games, Oklahoma does not want to go to the playoffs. They don't. But their Big 12 boys, like, won't let them chill. No, 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 man. Come on, come on, come on. It's going to be shit. So-and-so is going to be there. It's going to be lit. They got a table for us. Come on, man. And they don't want to go. But every time they step out, they they belch. And, and, like, something beautiful, like, turns. is like, were you belching at me? Here's my number, sir. (laughs) Call me next week. In fact, call me in a couple hours. Like, that's Oklahoma. This is Iowa State. We talked about them with Kansas. We talked about them with every single school. Trevor, I'm going to start with you, and then we'll get with the guys. These dudes don't want to go to the playoffs. We should just not force them to go to the playoffs. Am I right? 
here's the here I think here's the difference in what we're seeing this year as compared to years in the past where Oklahoma teams have have gone to the playoff. They've been wearing a mask, and that mask is a picture of Baker Mayfield, of Jalen Hurts, of Kyler Murray. They've been hiding behind that mask, and it's a very similar relationship to what we just talked about with Ryan Day and C.J. Stroud, the head coach play caller with the star quarterback, Heisman front runner, or even winner, runs the show. They are the mask to the program. P- pedestrian defenses in the past, but they found a way to score enough points. Um, mm-hmm. Run games that weren't all that great, but they found a way to get it done in the air. It's just been a mask. Now this year, you look at the relationship between Lincoln Riley and whoever they run out there starting quarterback, and you're, you don't have confidence in it. You've got right. a defense at Oklahoma who's actually playing a lot better than years prior. Not saying they're good, not saying obviously they're Georgia, but they're more consistent than they have been in the past. You just don't have that mask at quarterback that's kind of putting everything else under the bed, hiding it, making it look like it's a perfectly made, you know, military bed in the morning. It's just, it's ruffled. It's ruffled and they're finding a way to win because they've been there before and they're not going up against elite talent week in and week out, but it's not near the same level of confidence week in and week out that we're, that we're used to in Norman. Hack to that point, they are not at the level that they should be, that we expect, that they hoped for, or that the world has now seen. If the following scenario plays out, what happens? Michigan edges out Ohio State in like a classic single, double overtime, whatever, field goal, this far in, this much past, whatever. Then they go on and obliterate whoever comes from the West because that's what's going to happen. A two-loss Ohio State team, and if it all comes down to a Big 12 lethargic, we didn't want to be here, but I guess if y'all push us out here, we'll go ahead and do the thing. But then we want to be back home. Oklahoma, what happens? What does the committee do? What should they do? What should they do with with a two-loss U.S. military Ohio State team? What's, what's really hard, George, is in that scenario, you're also leaving out the fact that there's a possible two-loss Alabama that these mm-hmm. people have got to talk about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now, as the committee, you're sitting there going, do I leave out the Big 12 champion? Do I leave out an undefeated Cincinnati? Do I leave out a one-loss Notre Dame? And do I take a two-loss Alabama and a two-loss Ohio State? Even though Alabama and Ohio State line them up, 10 times against any of the people that I just mentioned. Yeah. Both of those teams win at least seven. Yep. Yep. If not more. Yeah. If not more. That's why I said at least seven. By seven touchdowns? Or are you saying just seven wins? No, no, no. No, I said you line them up 10 times, like 10 times, (laughs) like 10 games, like hypothetically they play their own season. Um, I think it's by seven touchdowns. I keep going. But anyway, um, that's a great point, Bryce. I appreciate you. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I, um, I think that it's, it's just such a shit show of a year, pardon my French with everybody going down and everyone like, it's just, it's awesome as a fan, 
because they, you get to have these types of debates at the bars and with your buddies. But I think as football guys and all of us sitting here are those guys, it's not hard for us to be able to peg which teams probably deserve it based upon what, how they're playing and what they're doing right now. And for me, a two-loss Ohio State team, it would be a damn shame to not have them in the playoffs. And then if Michigan goes out and earns that stripe, it'd be a damn shame to not have a Michigan team just based upon what everyone else is doing and what the pulse of the rest of the country is. Because to your point, George, it's been pretty, like, non-existent. Oklahoma's done everything they can to screw this up. And, you know, it's just just going to be – it's going to be crazy. But realistically speaking, I think there is a scenario if people, you know, open their eyes and watch the game – where you could have two Big Ten teams and two SEC teams in the playoff this year. Not happening. It's never going to happen. But my point being is, yeah, is I don't take know the losses it's... out of it. Hold I on, hack. I hear exactly hack. what you're saying. The okay. best teams, I get it, but that I'm, I'm going back to it again. The loss column says everything. If you, if you lose two games, you're not getting in, even though, like you said, you line up whether it's Michigan or Ohio State, whoever loses next week, you line them up in the Big 12 and they're running the table. Absolutely running the table. But they're two losses. It's, right. It sucks, dude. It's such a bad But Hey, Bryce, we're going to you next. But Bryce, I'm throwing to you. Take us out of here. But to Trevor, to your point, based off of Hack's solid evidence, Ohio State, Ohio State lost to a then top 10 Oregon. Then they would lose theoretically to a then top five Michigan because Oregon will drop and everybody will get pulled up. They lost to two top 10 teams. Those two teams would both (laughs) knock out Oklahoma. They would both knock out Oklahoma. Don't lose. Don't lose. Everybody else. Oh, God. I'm just simply saying. So if you, yeah. Technically, it's, it's two losses, but who are those losses to? Yeah, it's a shame, man. I I love yeah. I love my guy TK so bad, but he's part of this woke society. You know, this woke society. It's all about it's all about the hell. dude. I tell you what, if I'm if I'm in this committee right now, I'm saying the playoff is the four best. Teams. Oh, you're so full of it. Oh, it's the four best teams. Oh, right. how do you define best? the front door? How do you define I, Brett? Uh, but I think it's literally what it's honestly, it's what it's what Hack just said. I think that you have an Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State playoff <laughs> because, because right now. Right now, tell me who is better in the in the, in the country. I just don't I don't see how for a fan and for the media polls, the coaches, the AP, it doesn't matter for the playoff system to be truly. Uh, I don't know why pure comes to mind, but just a pure playoff system for four teams. Four teams, not not this is why we need twelve or whatever else, but for four teams. How do you not say it's the four best teams? I could give two shits about what your losses are. Well, if you're then because you because Trevor, you can't tell me. I love you to death, but you cannot tell me that Oklahoma should be in this playoff, even if even if correct. So, correct. so if I top four, I don't have OU in my top four. So I even said top five four. time I was on here, 
OU gets one loss, they're not in the conversation. They're not in the conversation. So you're saying so, you're being, so a top a so top fifteen a Baylor team right at now. home, I'm a top a top fifteen Baylor team at home that beats OU. That's a, that's a that's a, a you know in terms of like you know hey man stamp it at the bar you deserve a drink. That's a hell of a that's a hell of a game, right? So, but what I'm saying is if they go, they beat Iowa State, and if they go to Bedlam and beat Oklahoma State and then beat them again in the Big 12 championship, that's a one-loss OU team that's pretty – I mean, I would, I would venture that most people would say they deserve to be in the playoffs. But what I'm saying is there's no way in hell that they should be in the playoffs based off of what they've done week in and week out. I, I'm – listen, I agree with you that Ohio – in that scenario, I, Ohio State is a better football team – than Oklahoma, but it still comes down to if you lose two games in a year, you just don't deserve to be in. But Trevor, does it not? This matter? is not a normal year. But does well, it not matter who you lost to? Does that have some context? It, it does until your losses start piling up. At this, but yeah, is but two losses piling up? Yeah, in the in, the, in, the, in your championship football. game. Not, not, not counting the regular season. I'm talking about one loss has to be in the championship game. You're uh, talking about two, two losses, one regular season, one in the championship game. You're done. That's, that's piling up. And I'm a head coach, and I'm, if I'm in the Big Ten or the SEC, I'm saying, "Hey, boys, let's go out here. We can drop a couple. We'll still get in." You, Why are we? You know what? I, you, but you know what I can't the, wait to happen. I can't wait. I can't wait for like Alabama to beat Georgia. Fucking nobody's undefeated. It's going to be a bloodbath. And what's going to happen is the committee's going to sit there and be like, yep. all right, screw it. We're going to an expansion right now. They're like, right you know, now. Hey, the orange four was slotted for it, but here we go. We'll have them play it. We'll schedule another one. We'll throw this shit together. Oh, awesome. In that scenario, my UTSA Roadrunners are going to give them something. And they're going to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. Tre- Trevor, it does matter, though. If, if I'm on a fight circuit and I'm knocking out the baddest dude in every boys club in Southern California and Hackenberg takes on uh, Tyson Fury, it don't go his way. Then he takes on Wilder, it don't go his way. And he runs the table on the rest of his schedule. Those two would take out me and everybody else in my schedule. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. But at some point, you got to draw the line. A one loss, yes, get in. You get two losses, do you deserve it? The top four teams in the country, do you deserve it? Or is this year, and this may be a good transition, that you give it to a, a team like Cincinnati, who's been undefeated for two years straight? Are they the best team in college football? Heck no. We've talked about it. They struggled with Tulsa a couple weeks ago. So, but they're undefeated. But you held it to Cincinnati. You just answered your, you answered the premise of this question. If they if they only if they if they open this door, they put this team on this screen and they put this team on this screen and they say, could these guys, no matter what they've done, beat these guys? If they get into if they boil it down, if they say hold the schedules because all schedules aren't created equal. And hold the competition. If they have two dual screens and they're looking at Oklahoma or Cincinnati and they're looking at Alabama and uh, Ohio State, possible potential or Georgia, possible potential two lost teams. It's just not going to go that way. 
they've already kind of showed their hand how they slotted Cincinnati in the beginning. And, the, and really, we all split. Half of us were like, damn, that's kind of low. These guys were undefeated. And the other half was like, well, which team above Cincinnati, above them, could they go out and beat at a neutral site? That's what's really like when you boil it down, that's what it's one. It's going to wind up coming down to you, which is going to push this thing to the field of 12. But what do you want to see? The report card or the best fight? That's what it's going to come down to. Do you want the report card or do you want the best fight? Yeah, I agree with you. But the the thing about the committee that kind of pissed me off was that they they weren't definitive about anything because to, to the point that we're all making, you know, Trevor's saying that, you know, the loss is your law, or I guess really the point that you're trying to make, George, is your loss matters. Trevor's saying right. it doesn't matter, right? It's all about the wins. The right. committee showed us when they put Oregon in front, when Oregon's already won at Ohio State but lost to Stanford. Correct. Right? It, it just says, like, what are you guys looking at? If Cincinnati is undefeated for the last two years, and if Oregon comes into Ohio State and beats – you know, a top 10 program, it's great. But then they lose to the last team in the Pac-12. What, what, what's validated? How do, how do you – how do you? I don't know. I don't and, know where you go from there. But, and here, but here's an interesting thing, too, and I had this conversation with Josh Perry again. I hate bringing that back up. But he, he and I were talking about Michigan and Michigan State. And Michigan is, was ranked ahead of Michigan State despite the head-to-head loss. Right. And last week, yeah. Their their excuse was that statistically speaking, Michigan was better in just about every category than Michigan State. And then I went to, I proceeded to be like, well then why is Oregon still ranked ahead of Ohio State? Because I guarantee yeah. you if you do some statistical analysis, it's not Ohio State, it ain't right. even freaking close, right? Correct. So Correct. that's a great point, Bryce. Like what what is the gauge? And when you start adding the human factor in there's going to be people who look at it different ways. And I, I respect the way that you fought for that, Trevor, even though you're completely batshit crazy and absolutely wrong. <laughs> no, you guys are looking oh, at it. I respect that, dude. You guys are looking at it. Black right. and white. I'm not saying that the best team shouldn't be in the top four. I'm just saying there is merit in the decision to the lost column. And, and, and that plays, I mean, think about back to the BCS days prior to, prior to going to four teams. You Man, had to computers, be, they're all smarter than us. But you had to be undefeated to go play in the natty. Like yeah. wins and loss, like you had to run the table regardless if you played in this conference or that conference. Yeah, who do you, who do you think goes who do you think goes in right now if it's BCS? If, if we if we stop playing right now, Trevor, who do you think in terms of that that easy, point that you just made? Georgia, 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 yourself. Georgia, Ohio State today. Yep. 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 Yeah. And Alabama would be like a snarling, uh, snarling, smoking school bus headed to ro- the Rose Bowl or Sugar Bowl or wherever they wind up going. Yeah, I agree. Probably, probably lose to in Oklahoma because they're pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe to the band competition. Let's go to a couple questions. Uh, our producers, Rob and Dagan, have uh, opened up a couple of questions. And honestly, if you have questions, you're at your after party. You're still at the tailgate. Damn, that's a killer tailgate. If you're back home, if you're at the bar, shoot the questions in. We got a couple of them. I love this first one. 
it looks like it's going to brace because it's coming from the buckle in Waco. Are you familiar with the buckle? That's a great store. I got a lot of jeans from there. Okay, there you go. The buckle, there's a question in here from Mabry. Interesting. Uh, If Baylor wins out, and really you're talking about Texas Tech, uh, Oklahoma loses, and then Baylor gets in and then beats Oklahoma State and wins on through, do they have any shot? Is there enough chaos for them to have any shot? That's like a tough question because you got to know all the math, but – it doesn't yeah. even have a voice as a two-loss Big 12, really little three program. Right. Yeah. No, I, I don't think anybody has a chance outside of Oklahoma um, to, to go. Uh, and and there's, there just has to be a lot of things go right for, for the Big 12 conference specifically, um, meaning that, to your point, that we've kind of made Michigan beats – Ohio State, Wisconsin beats Michigan in the in the Big Twelve or the Big Ten uh, game. Alabama beats Georgia. Um, that that don't just cause you know a, a you know crazy combustion. Then probably Houston beats Cincinnati. Um, you know in the in the American uh, Conference Championship. So there just there would have to be a whole lot of just <laughs> utter chaos. nuclear bomb chaos type of stuff for for. Baylor Bears to get there. Sorry, maybe at the buckle in Waco. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Trevor Knight, Hack, you got one. Look at this. Hack's got one too. Trevor, uh, this one comes from Chelsea. Her and her girls, Kappa Kappa Gamma, are at the Winston. Are you familiar with the Winston bar? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, they're at the Winston. They want to know if Oklahoma goes up against Cincinnati who they're fighting to get in the playoffs against Michigan, who it could come down against or Alabama. Could they run the table in your honest assessment? And I'm going to just attach to that. What's their record. If they go against Cincinnati, Michigan, Bama, Oklahoma. I think with the way that they've been playing as of late and the indecision at the quarterback position, Realistically, they, I think they beat Cincinnati. Um, I think they get beat by Alabama and Michigan at this point. Um, and who was the other one? Is that all of them? No, she said Cincinnati, Michigan, Alabama. Assuming yeah. Cincinnati comes in, but the runner-ups, Michigan and Alabama, to what Hack was saying, if it is a foursome, those are your two backups, only because they ran runner-up knocked off the heavyweight in the conference title game, and then just flips spots. You're asking who gets into the playoff at the end. No, I'm, she's, I'm, she's asking, Chelsea's asking, Oklahoma at a neutral site versus Cincinnati, Michigan, or Alabama, how do they do? Which really is what the committee's got to ask itself. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's also what Oklahoma shows up that day. As of late, and really this whole season, they haven't played – or shown us any confidence at all. I think as of today and the way that they played today and last week, um, they beat Cincinnati, they lose to Michigan and Alabama. I think that's best case scenario. Fair enough. What's the actual – so what's the – if it's not best, 
what's bring it down to the mean of the average then hack what do you think it really my, my only point is, is i think cincinnati might might mess around and beat them in a neutral site yeah Boy, i do fascinating. bryce what do you think cincinnati or oklahoma they meet in dallas no that's too close to oklahoma these two meet in uh atlanta what do you think I think if they play 10 games, I think Cincinnati beats them seven. If they played, if they played one, if they play one game right now, Cincinnati beats them by four touchdowns. Whoa. You got you got you guys, you guys haven't watched Oklahoma week in, week out. They they their defense played the best that they've played all year today, collectively. Um and and still, I mean, it's it's just, man, it's it's a it's a it's a tough team to watch. To be totally honest with you, under under Lincoln Riley is as good as they've been the last couple of years. Playoff teams to Trevor's point, Baker, Kyler, Jalen. I don't know who's driving the bus. I don't know if it's those three guys that that make Lincoln look way better. Um, is Alex Grinch the right guy that they need to go ahead and just can him and get another? De- like Oklahoma can recruit. You, you have to, and then you're about to go to the SEC. Um, and, and to me, they've got, you know, Caleb Williams went eight of 18 today. Yeah. Like 87 this is, this yards. Is, this is a Lincoln Riley offense, man. Like I, I just don't, and this is the second week in a row that he's done that. Um, so, and, so and Trevor and I have talked about it. Go ahead, buddy. You're calling out the big 12 as a whole because these guys are yeah. still 10 and one. Yeah. And that's, what's funny too, because I, I actually wanted to make this point earlier because we were talking about, you know, OU in this, in this world. But I, I think that when you look at the S like if, if you take the SEC or really big 10, but, but just specifically SEC as a conference as a whole, you have four teams in the West and then Arkansas, right? So really there's six teams in the West. Arkansas is sixth in the West right now, not counting Auburn. Uh, the other five are ranked. So there wow. is a juggernaut of a Saturday every time that you go play. And I think that those guys walk off the bus and it doesn't matter who they're playing. They're, they feel like they could be in it. Oklahoma and then specifically the Big 12, I think, does not have the either the, the, the outlook or the, the competitiveness to say, hey, I've got OU. There's Agreed. blood in the water every Saturday at kickoff. I, I really think that OU has this like touted and dude, right, rightfully so. I mean, that there's six times back to back to back to back Big 12 champion. But at the end of the day, I think what that's done is put a thumbprint on the Big 12 to like you you don't even you know you, there's a there's an adult table and a kids table at Thanksgiving. You guys don't even belong at a kids table. Like go outside with the with the, with the dogs. You know what I mean? So like there's in a the national there's a, perspective, yeah. And it, National and then even the like in the Big 12, I think that like for a lot of teams, I think that they walk into that going, man, I hope that I think that we can win this week. I hope that we can win this week. And again, like like my hats off to Oklahoma for presenting that type of stature. But I think if you go to any SEC team, a Tennessee with Josh Heupel's going into Tuscaloosa going, man, we're about to beat the brakes off these dudes. It happens. It happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But there's not a thought of man. I hope it happens. Whereas, like when I watch these Big Twelve teams, man, it's it's really like this. It, there's a there's a big disconnect in competitiveness. I feel like um, 
you know, that's kind of been presented over the last couple of years. That's just, that's just my take on it. Well, I, so I have a, obviously a unique perspective getting to play in both conferences and I, I don't disagree. Right. I don't disagree with you. There, there is something about playing in the big 12 where it's, Hey, this could be a track meet, but yeah. hopefully mm-hmm. we come out on top, you know, yeah. oh, we're right. offensive league, right? That's honest. That's honest. Hopefully we come out. Th- and don't get me wrong. Oklahoma's had success, you know, in the Sugar Bowl against um, against Auburn in 2016. They got the brakes beat off them by LSU, which might be one of the greatest football teams ever. So you, you look at that. I mean, they've had to, they went to Tennessee when Tennessee was ranked pretty high at the beginning of the year, beat Tennessee at Tennessee when, when Bake was there, right? So they've had some su- success against SEC teams. They they put out some good, you know, teams overall. Oklahoma State's good from time to time, but you're right. Across the board, very different. Went and played in the SEC West, and dude, it was a spin all day in the training room, healing up these wounds so we can go to Mississippi State, who's the yep. bottom of the West this year, yep. and get rolled over by some big dudes, get mm-hmm. on the bus, come back, go next week to Jordan-Hare, play Auburn, get on the bus, roll back, go to yeah. Bama. I mean, it is week in and week out a completely different mindset and very, very different in terms of the level of play uh, of all those teams. And but, and, and then and then real quick too to like to 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 piggyback off of that, did you guys in that in that A and M locker room ever feel like we couldn't go beat an LSU at Baton Rouge or couldn't go beat an Alabama? Like, like because you know the feeling of both locker rooms. I mean, did you you know and just because I made a point, I've never actually been in an SEC locker room. Is that kind of the case, or is that just more perception? No, you're absolutely right. It's um, there, There's a different prowess about it. And, and, again, nothing against any of the teams in the Big 12. It's just a different mentality in that yep. league. Right? I mean, it's like, um, you know, American League versus National League. There's a different mentality of how you approach the game in, in, that, in those baseball games. It's the same thing. You've got guys that look different, not only in stature, but in their eyes going into a game, the coaching staffs treat it more professionally as opposed to, I feel the big 12 in those locker rooms feels more like a high school type locker room with the guys and the, and, and just the, the aroma of how everybody's walking around the, uh, the hallways. So yeah, it, it, by no stretch of the imagination, are they comparable? Can a big 12 team go beat an SC team? From time to time, yes, but top to top to bottom, it's it's not even close in my opinion. Let's stay with that. Not even close uh, in your opinion, Hack. Uh, and and first of all, Bryce and Trevor, um, that was incredible for people just to like run with the two of you on that. Both of you have bled, won, edge, got edged out, got knocked out, knocked some folks out in the Big Twelve. We're going back and forth about your conference hack. If we go to the bigger picture, we're going to take another question. This is for you coming in from Dagan and Rob, um, our producers. The Penn State dance team, hot off a big win against Rutgers. A win's a win's a win. They're kicking it at Sharky's. Are you familiar with Sharky's? Yeah, that's the damn best bottle shop in downtown State College, dude. <laughs> you could pick up a six-pack and then go shoot a pool in the back. There anyway. you go. So the Penn State dance teams at Sharky's. Coach Julie came through with this question. In your opinion, who are the four best 
teams in America. So, so the Lionettes. Is Lionettes, yes, the yes, Lionettes. there. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tee up. And uh, yeah, I think I, I think I highlighted. I think it right now as it stands, after this weekend, pre some uh, epic uh, three hundred Spartans in the in the in the keep type battles that are coming up. Uh, I think it's I think it's Alabama, Georgia, uh, Ohio State, and I think there's a very very strong argument for Michigan right there. Mm-hmm. Jump in Cincinnati. That is I'm honestly, it. that's the race. Ohio yeah. State. Ohio State has joined the two SEC teams in that whole "you can't sit with us" deal in the cafeteria. Those three they, have now put their trays on the same table. Well, here's George. I'll tell you what, though. I do think Ohio State may have jumped Alabama. I still think, and we talked about this last week with Clint. I think Alabama's gettable. For yeah, some I do too. for some for some reason, just the way that Alabama has showed up at times. I mean, even this week's a perfect example. Sam Pittman, Trevor, you talk about it. Like Arkansas is not a very good football team, but no. they're scrappy as shit and they take yeah. the personality of their head football coach. Like Sam's Correct. Sam's That's an offensive line point. guy. They're scrappy as hell. They do their thing. But you have a team like that come in and give them all they can handle. You have a Florida team give Alabama all they can handle. I think defensively, this Alabama team isn't where Nick wants it to be. And to me, that's what makes them susceptible because now you're putting it all on a young kid who, although has risen to the occasion multiple, multiple times, I don't know if you do that against a team like Ohio State, who has what they have outside, present matchup issues. And if Ohio State says, yo, let's run this into a track meet, Bro, you're running the Jamaicans in the four by one. You know what I mean? Like those boys can get it. So um <laughs> I, I don't know though, dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if Alabama can run that race and confidently say, like, our defense will stop Ohio State once or twice this game and we can really mix it up without Ohio State making the same thing. So I think I think Alabama's really gettable. And um I would almost say like with the way Ohio state has played as of late, I think it's like Georgia, Ohio state, just from a matchup standpoint, because I think college football would love to see that matchup offense versus like killer defense. Mm -hmm. And then I think it's like Alabama and Michigan really right there right now, personally. Um, That, That Ohio state, Georgia deal. Think of your favorite MLB pitcher. For me, it was, uh, uh, Pedro or uh, Mariana from the Yankees yeah. going up against somebody's murderer's row. That's what that. Yeah. That's what that's going to wind up being. Yeah, that much yeah. firepower to throw at one unit. Yeah, and that unit can't make a mistake. Yeah, the the, the pitcher and the offense they can keep going and going and going and going. They only got to get it a couple of times. That is. Uh, that is week 12. We are uh, so fortunate you guys got a chance to join us. Load up next week. We're going to start tying a bow on the playoff situation. We're going to get into the Heisman picture. We're going to start looking at the coaching landscape. There are going to be possibly 10 to 12 major Power 5 programs that are going to be looking for a new head coach. 
And it is, it is going to be a wild situation because there are going to be some programs that are completely happy with their guy and they're going to get poached. There's going to be other programs. Their guy is going to look around and say, honestly, I can upgrade my situation. It's going to be a wild situation, but we're glad you're with our situation. Trevor Knight, Bryce Petty, Christian Hackenberg, the field of 12 after dark show. This is George Whitfield. Thank you for rolling with us. We'll see you next week.